Blog Talk Radio. All right, all right. All right, this is L.G. Bazaar, Watchman on the Wall, Watchman on the Wall, Watchman on the Wall, End Time Global Link Ministry. This is L.G. Bazaar coming to you from Warren, Ohio, and I'm stretching on down into what Atlanta, Georgia, on Brock Talk Radio, bringing you the good news, and the good news is Jesus Christ died and rose again, coming back after a church without his father, our wrinkle. He's coming after a born believer, baptized, sanctified, justified, and cleansed by his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only way to wash your sins away. Only thing is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, God himself. God himself, God himself manifested in the flesh, seen of angels, justified by the Spirit, received up into glory 2,000 years ago, and he said he was coming back. And I know, I know the world don't want Jesus to come back. The world wants to keep on going, keep on rolling, keep on trucking, keep on, keep on, keep on living in sin, living in degradation, living in a debauchery and wants to keep on living and thinking God is going to let it go on. Well, I'm here to tell you this time is up. Satan, his time is up. Satan is getting ready to go on into the bottomless pit. And if you don't know what the bottomless pit is, that's a holding place for evil, wicked, debauchery spirits. And Satan is headed that way, and all his angels that fell from heaven 6,000 years ago, they are headed for the bottomless pit, and Satan knows he's on his way down, and he's trying to what? Prevent the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's trying his best to prevent it. And he knows he can't prevent it because what he's doing today he is destroying people's lives. He's robbing people. He's killing people. He is molesting people. He is doing everything he can to drive you to hell. And the only way that you can escape the bowels of the earth, the only way you can escape the damnations of hell, you've got to come to Christ. You've got to come to Christ. You've got to repent of your sins and turn from your wicked ways. Lord, have mercy. you got to come on in before you can ever think you're going to see Christ, think you're going to live with Jesus Christ. You've got to be born again because let me tell you something else. No sin will ever, ever enter into the kingdom of God. It just ain't going in. God is through with it. God is through with it. And he proved that he was through with it when he came down here 2,000 years ago and suffered on a cruel cross. A cross that no man, no woman, no boy, no girl, no angel could ever do. Nobody could have died but Jesus Christ and come back from the grave in three days. Three days he stayed in the heart of the earth and preached to those in prison. And when he preached to those in prison, he went down victoriously and he came out victoriously. He went down and preached to those in prison. He preached to those that in paradise. He preached to those that in Tartarus. He preached to the whole underworld and came back on top side and preached to the world, preached to the world 
for 40 days and ministered to the world for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he ascended up into heaven. And then he said, since I'm going away, I'm going to send you a comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And ever since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost has been set loose. The Holy Ghost has been here as long as God's been here. Amen. And the Holy Ghost now is making sure that the gospel is being preached to all the world until the end comes. Now, we know the end of the world's coming. We know that Satan is almost over. We know that what the devil's doing ain't going to last forever. We know that. And by us knowing that, we at the church, I'm talking about the born-again, baptized believers that know Jesus Christ, not by their head, not by what uh, somebody told them, but by a heart transformation, new life, conversion, redemption, experience with Jesus Christ. When the Spirit of God comes into your life, you change. You change. You change from death to life because now we know that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus Christ went back to heaven, and now he sent the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, and he's been lighting up souls ever since then. He lit up my soul one day, and he's lighting up souls now. He's giving people a new opportunity and a new life and a new way of living, and that's the way of holiness. Oh, yes, indeed. Jesus Christ said, no man can get to the Father unless they come by him. And if you want to be holy, if you want to be sanctified, if you want to be justified, if you want to be edified, the only way you can do that is you've got to come to Jesus Christ at him at the cross. Meet him at the cross. Meet him at the cross. It's good to meet at the church. It's good to meet down street. But you've got to meet him at the cross before you can ever be converted. Because at the cross is where what salvation was attained. That's what Jesus Christ attained salvation. That's what salvation was established. It was established when Jesus Christ suffered on Calvary's cross, and they beat him, they 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 mutilated him, they embarrassed him, they uh, tried to annihilate him. And guess what? After they got through whipping him, after they got through spitting on him, after they got through kicking him and calling him everything but the Son of God. After, after he had dropped his head between the locks of his shoulders and gave up the ghost and went down into the bowels of the earth and came up on the third day morning. He'd been saving souls ever since then. And guess what he said? He said, up on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And now the church age, the church age is almost over. The end of the church age, not the end of the world, but the end of the church age. The body of Christ, those that have been sanctified, those that have been cleansed by nothing else but the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Denomination, denomination won't get you to heaven. Denomination will not get you to heaven. The name of your church will not get you to heaven. No. The name of the Baptist, the name of the Presbyterian, the name of the Catholic, the name of the Seventh-day Adventist, all those names will not get you to heaven. 
You got to what? You got to go to the cross, brothers and sisters. Now be honest. You got to go to the cross. It don't it don't make no difference how long you've been going to church. You can go to church for sixty and seventy and forty and fifty and thirty years. But if you haven't been to the cross, guess what? If you die without repenting of your sin and turn from your wicked ways and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to come into your heart, what, by the blood of Jesus Christ and the remission of your sin, you've got to have the blood, nothing but the blood. Ooh, there's power in the blood. Oh, Jesus Christ shed his blood. And let me tell you something. If you have never experienced the power of the Holy Ghost through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are not saved. You cannot be saying that you saved and you lying, cheek backbiting, lying, Woo! You 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 everything but a child of God. And the Bible says, if a man does not have the spirit of Christ in him, he is none of his. You belong to the devil. Uh-oh, uh-oh. If you don't have the spirit of Christ in you, you do not belong to God. You've got to have the new birth. When the new birth comes, God seals you with the Holy Spirit. And when he seals you with the Holy Spirit, he seals you for eternity. He seals you with eternity. Eternity steps inside of you. Who is eternity? Jesus Christ is eternity. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the one that always existed. He's the one that never was born. He never was created. He always existed. And since he always existed, he is God Almighty in the flesh. We are in the last days. We are in the last days. How do you know? Because in the book of Revelation, just before the rapture of the church, just before Christ takes his church, he removes the church from the earth. The church will escape the Tribulation period. The tribulation period is not made for the church. It was not organized for the church. It wasn't appointed for the church to go through the tribulation. The tribulation is mainly for the Jewish nation. It was mainly for the nation of Israel. Israel is the main nation that that the tribulation is orchestrated for. And you say, well, preacher, how is that? How did that happen? How in the world do you think God is planning this thing out? God got a plan. And the plan is that since this is the last church age, and we know the last church age you found in the book of Revelation, it tells you exactly what condition this church will be in. And in the last days, perilous times shall come. For we are living in pearlous time. Pearls are everywhere. I mean devastating pearls. There's tornadoes, hurricanes. There's killing and murdering. There's train wrecks. There's earthquakes. There's deep holes falling in the ground. There's mudslides. There's people killing and murdering. And, and, and it can't keep up like this. It cannot keep on like this. God will not let it. So he tells us and warns us in the book of Revelation exactly what's going to happen just before and what condition the church will be in. I'm talking about the false church. I ain't talking about the true church. Amen. The the true church is in good shape. Why? Because if you are saved and sanctified and know it, 
You've been born again. Your life has changed. You know it. You're in good shape. Why? Because your soul is in the hands of Jesus Christ. Your soul is in the hand of God. And when your soul can be in the hand of God, that means that what? That means that you have repented of your sin and you have turned from your wicked ways and you have turned from your attitude. You have turned to Jesus Christ and believed that he can live in your life and you're living mainly for Jesus Christ, not for yourself. You're living for Jesus Christ. That's the church that Jesus Christ is coming after, a sanctified church, a church that the souls of men in the church have been sanctified. Sanctified means what? It means that you have been separated from sin, death, hell, and the grave. You are no longer of the world, but you're in the world. Amen. Saints of God now is in the world, but they're not of the world. I don't pertain. I don't participate in the things of the world. I'm not worried about uh, uh, too much of a recreation and going here and partying and drinking and lying and cheating and whoremongering and, 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 and backsliding. I'm not interested in that. No I'm interested. Are you saved today? Have you met Jesus Christ? Whether you're a deacon, whether you're a, a, a preacher, whether you're a doorkeeper in the church, whether you're a janitor, whether you're a choir member, I'm not, oh, good. It's good to work in the church, but you got to understand working in the church does not qualify you to go to heaven because works will never get you to heaven. Amen. It's going to take what? Nothing but the grace of God, the grace of God undeserved merit of the love of God. We all deserve to go to hell. And it took Jesus Christ for him to die on Calvary's cross to pay the penalty for sin. And he, since he don't pay the penalty for sin, amen, you can be qualified to whew, be born again. You can be qualified to receive Christ in your life. You can be qualified to sing and shout. You can be qualified to praise his name. You can be qualified to tell somebody else about this wonderful salvation because there is no other name given under heaven whereby men can be saved in the name of Jesus Christ. At the name of Jesus Christ, every knee's going to bow. You might not bow now, but you're going to bow later on. You might not shout now, but one day you're going to shout whether you're in heaven or whether you go to hell because in hell, I know you're going to shout. You're going to shout to get away from the flame of fire, not because you was bad, not because you were good, but because you re- you rejected, you eliminated, you denied, and you told the Lord, I'm not ready yet. You told the Lord, I think I can work my way to heaven. You told the Lord, I pay my tithe and I go to church every Sunday. You told the Lord that <clears throat> that ought to be good enough, but that's not good enough. You got to have more than that. You got to come on down and repent at the foot of the cross. Come on now. Come on now, you know, you know, you know the devil knows that you got to repent. You got to turn from that low down, rotten sin and carnality <clears throat> that Satan is trying to destroy you with. And and and, and in the Bible, it says just before Christ comes back, there's going to be a falling away, a falling away, apostate religion, fake religion, made up religion, homemade religion, backyard religion. All that religion will get you to hell, but it's going to take more than religion for you to get to hell. It's going to take the blood of Jesus Christ. 
It's going to take that royal blood of Jesus Christ. It's going to take the blood of Christ for you to enter to the kingdom of God. And if you haven't repented of your sin and confessed with your mouth and believe with your heart that God raised it from the dead, the Bible says, whoever believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever believeth not shall be damned. So if you go to hell, it's because you rejected that atonement that Christ made God himself in human flesh with everything that a man had, Jesus Christ had. He was a man. He was human. He, 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 he walked. He talked. He felt pain. He knew what it was to know to be a human being. He knew what it was for people to be in sin, but he didn't know that until he became man, suffered on Calvary's cross, and took the sins of the whole world, took my sin, your mama's sin, your daddy's sin, your uncle's sin, your children's sin, took them and nailed them to the cross. When he nailed them to the cross, he paid the price. He paid the price. He paid the price for your foolishness, Woo! for your denial for your self-righteous. And in the book of Revelation, John the Revelator, John the one that wrote the book of Revelation on the island of Patmos, he was telling uh, in the third chapter, in the third chapter, let's see what uh, Laocidia said in the third chapter. You got your Bibles out? The third chapter says in the Laocidia church age, the last church age. There are seven church ages, seven church ages. The church age, the first church age was Ephesus, then it was Smyrna, then it was Pergamos, then it was Tartara, then it was Sardis, then it was Philadelphia, and then it was Laocidia, the, 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 the apostate church, the apostate church that said that they know the Lord, the apostate church that live like the world, but they want to confess the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You cannot profess the righteousness of Jesus Christ until you receive Jesus Christ. Otherwise, your self-righteousness, your self-determination uh, 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 to try to make God accept your works. God will not accept your works until you accept, accept him and get your sins washed away. Accept him. Repent of your foolishness. Accept him. And keep going around talking about you love God, you love God, and you hate your brother. And the Bible's already said if a man, if a man or a woman, or anybody say that they love God and hate his brother, he's a stone liar. And they tell me all liars. The Bible said all liars. The Bible said all liars will be cast into the lake of fire. If a man said he's never sinned, he's a liar. If a man says that he is perfect, he's lying because we all are striving for perfection. The only thing is perfect in you. The only thing is perfect in you is your soul and your spirit, which God has perfected through the blood of Jesus Christ. So you're perfect on the inside, but you're imperfect on the outside because after you get saved, after you get sanctified, you still have to struggle with the carnal nature. You still have to struggle with the flesh, and you still got to struggle with the devil. You got to struggle with the world, and you got to struggle with all the temptations that man, that the Satan can put before you. In the book of Revelation, you got 22 chapters. 
And every every chapter in it is an episode. Every chapter in it is an event that happens. Every chapter in it is written by the inspiration of God Almighty, and he wrote it and told told John to give it to the seven churches, the seven pastors of these churches. And so the last church that we will go over right now is the Laodicea, the end of the church age. It says, and to the angel, the pastor of the church, the ones that stand behind the pulpit, the ones that preach the gospel, the gospel, not gossip, but gossip, gospel, good news of Jesus Christ. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. It's supposed to be preached from behind the pulpit. If you preach any other deity, any other so-called God, or any other so-called entity, you are a false preacher. If you're preaching everything except the blood of Jesus Christ, you ain't no preacher. You're not no preacher if you are not preaching the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which is the centerfold of civilization, the centerfold of the Bible. It should be the centerfold of your life. Why? The preaching of Jesus Christ is the only way that a man can get to God. Jesus said, no man can get to Father. No man can get to the Father except to come by me. Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the light. If any other man try to find another way to get to heaven, he's worse than a thief and a robber because you're taking away the power of God. You're trying to take away the power of God. You're denying the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death. You're denying the word of God. And the Bible says, look here, if you don't come to Christ and you die today, you're going to bust hell wide open. I say that in love. Amen. To put a, a little fear in you to recognize you don't want to play with sin. You don't want to stay in your sin. You don't want to keep on doing what you're doing. You want to change life. Because if you don't get that changed life, guess what? Either two things. You're going to die and go to hell, or you're going to be left in the rapture. You're going to be left standing here on this planet, and you will have to face the wrath of the Antichrist. You're going to have to face the devil face-to-face in the Antichrist, and he is not going to be playing pinochle with you. He's not going to be playing marbles with you. He's not going to play no tic-tac-toe with you. He's not going to be playing no pity, patty cake, patty cake, bake that man. He's not going to be planning. He's going to be planning to what? To prevent you from accepting Jesus Christ during the tribulation period so when you accept, when you refuse to accept Jesus Christ during the tribulation period, you are going to receive two things. You're going to die for the cause of Christ, or you are going to receive a mark, a mark on your forehead or on your right hand to distinguish who you will pay allegiance to. If you receive the mark on your right hand or on your forehead, you are making allegiance to the Antichrist, which the world will try, will, will believe that he is the true Christ, and he is not the true Christ. This man that's on the earth today, this man that's on the earth today alive and waiting for a specific moment, which will be the rapture of the church, God will rapture his body out of here, and he will come on the scene. Well, just before the rapture, this is the condition that the church is going to be in. Listen to what it says. It says, and to Laodicea, write, these things says 
Amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. This is the apostate church. We do not know how and when it began, but we do know it has begun. And in the last church address by Christ, so that means that the rapture will take place very shortly. By contrast to his church, which is not faithful and true, Jesus is the creator of all things. This church is not faithful and true. Although it's not faithful and true, there's a few people in there that say, this is the Laodicea church. This is the apostate church. He said, I know your works, that you are neither cold or you ain't even hot. Characteristic that which is prevalent at this time, half measures won't do. Half measures. 99 and a half won't do. They used to sing that song in my day. They used to sing that back in the 50s and back in the 40s. 99 and a half won't do. You've got to have 100. Only way you can have 100 is you've got to have Jesus Christ. Woo! So this church is a apostate church, and they're not faithful in what they do. He said, I would, I would. You were cold or hot. I would rather you say, look, I'm the sinner. I would rather you to be cold about that. Just say, I'm not a, I, I, I'm, I'm, I am a sinner. I'm lost. I'm undone. And I need a Savior. And he said, you're neither cold or hot. He said, if you're going to be cold, stay cold. If you're going to be hot, stay hot. Hot means that you're on fire for God. Cold means that you're cold towards God and you are working for Satan. That means that you are an unbeliever. An unbeliever is a person that deny, deny what? Deny the sacrifice that Jesus did. Deny his love. Deny his mercy. Deny his blood. Deny his resurrection. Deny his suffering. Right? Some people don't have no interest in that. They don't have no interest in their soul. They don't believe it's necessary for Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, God himself, to come down here and die for their sin. They don't believe that. You're cold. You're cold. But if you're hot, you're leaning on it. You're trusting in it. You're depending on it. Why? Because there is no other name. There is no other name given under heaven whereby men can be saved but by the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, I know your works, that you were neither cold nor hot. I would, you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, you're sour. You are half and half. You are lukewarm. You are playing what? The hypocrite. The hypocrite. Lukewarm is hypocritical. Lukewarm is you want to have Jesus, but you just got him in your head. You don't want him in your heart. In order to be hot, you got to have him in your heart. But if you just got him in your head, you're lukewarm. You're professing something that you don't have. You confess that you know Jesus, but only by your head knowledge. But in order to be on fire for God, you've got to know him heart knowledge. You've got to confess with your mouth. You confess everything else. You confess everything else, but you won't confess Jesus 
is Lord. Jesus is Lord, meaning that Jesus Christ is God Almighty in the human flesh. And by him being in the human flesh, he became human. In other words, he had everything that a human being had. He had a blood system. He had to have a blood system for him to die. You've got to have blood in order to live. And the, the, the way that you can die is drain your blood out of your body. Drain it. Let it drain out of your body. You don't have to worry about dying. You're going to die because the soul is in the blood. The life is in the blood. Redemption is in the blood. Peace is in the blood. Justification is in the blood. Because what Jesus done on Calvary's cross, he took your place. He took your place. It should have been you hanging, but you can't hang. You can't hang with that. You can't hang with nails in your hand. You can't hang with people ridiculing and spitting on you. You couldn't hang of taking some of those sins of the world because you have sin. And if you got sin and you can't take your own sin, you can't take nobody else. No, no, no. No God but God. No God but the God of heaven. No God but the creator. No God but the redemptive man. No God but the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. No God but the one that took nothing and made something. The one that came from nowhere because he's everywhere. And since he's everywhere, there's nowhere for him to come. He is self-existent. He's the eternal one. He's the mighty one. He's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. And he will rule, he will reign, and he will live forever. He only died once, and that one time was enough for man to be redeemed, and man don't want it. And since man don't want it, you want to know what's going on in the world today? It's the devil is getting ready to take over this planet for seven years. Listen to what I'm saying. The devil is getting ready to take over this planet for seven years. Oh, yeah, he got, he got a grip on it to it now, but God, God is going to remove his body. Oh, good God Almighty. He's going to remove his body. The body is the church. And since I'm in the church, I'm in the body of the church. How can I become a body, uh, 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 a part of the body of the Christ? I'm coming because Jesus Christ gave me a new life through the new birth. The new birth comes through Christ. When you're born again, you become a part of the church. You are born in to the church. No joining. No linking up. Church is not a club. It's not a social. It's not a social place to come and be sociable. It's come to hear God's word. It's come to preach God's word. It's come to shout about God's word. It's come to testify about God's word. That's the church is a place of learning, a place of, of, of rescuing souls uh, that, that that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now listen what this church is doing. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold or hot. Christ will spew out of my mouth. Jesus Christ is saying here that if you're lukewarm and if you're not hot and if you're cold, the time is coming, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth because you don't know me. You don't know me. 
You don't know it because you are playing the lukewarm and you are playing the cold. And by, because that, I'm going to make you come up out of my mouth. I'm going to spew you out. And when he spewed you out, that means that you are playing the hypocrite. You're playing the one that goes on about all what you think you have and all what the Lord has done for you and don't know him. You don't know him because if you know him, you would have the love of God in you. If you don't have the love of God in you, I'm talking about God's love. I'm talking about God's love. I ain't talking about your own self uh, 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 illustrating love. I'm talking about that love that pastors all understand. I'm talking about that love that you receive by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about that love that's an everlasting love. I'm talking about that love that you love those that hate you, despitefully use you, curse you out, do all kind of evil to you, and you still love them right on. I'm talking about the love that comes from God because only true love, eternal love, can come from God. So Jesus Christ said those half-hearted those hypocrites, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to vomit you up. I'm going to throw you out because you are playing with me. You are playing with me. You are tempting me. You are teasing me. You are going around talking about you got power, and, man, you are cussing. You are lying. You are cheating. You are stealing. You are doing all these things and try to carry the divine relationship of Jesus Christ in your life. You can't do it. Can't do it. And he says here, I will spew you out of my mouth. There is no prospect of repentance here on the part of this church of restoration. In fact, there is what? Divine rejection. In this church, the last church, there is divine rejection. They are, they are denying the divine rejection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said there's a day coming when many will come in my name, saying I am, I am uh, 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 preaching. I, I, I did wonderful miracles. I cast out devils. I, I healed the sick. I did wonderful miracles. I, listen, there's that day coming, and the day is already here. Many are saying I am a child of God. I am doing this, and I am doing that. And there's a day coming when Jesus Christ will put the left, on the left and the right on the right. He would tell those that's on the left, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's good to say that you know God, but I want to know, do God know you? Woo, because Jesus Christ said, I don't know you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And there's a day coming when Jesus would put the sheep on the right, and he would say, come in to my father's house and come on in because you are, you have testified. You have lived the life. Yeah, you lived the life through my son, Jesus Christ. You gave up your sins. You repented of your sin, and you have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on in. You have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you're not walking on your own because the life that you're living now is not you living it, but Christ that lives in you. And Jesus said, come on. Whoa, yes, indeed, because if you go to heaven, you only go one way. You're only going one way, and you're going Jesus' way. And if you don't go Jesus' way, you're not going. Oh, you're a Presbyterian? You're a Lutheran? You're a Methodist? Oh, that's wonderful. 
but that won't get you there. You're a Baptist? Oh, the Church of God in Christ? Yeah. All right, the name of a denomination is not heaven bound. The name of a denomination is just a name, but the name that's above every name is the name of Jesus Christ. So you got to come to him. He says, listen, he says, I'll speak you out of my mouth. I'm going to eliminate you. I've been standing at the door knocking, 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 knocking. I've been knocking for years to let me let my spirit come into your soul. I've been knocking. I've been, I've been, ooh, I've been tapping you. I've been trying to uh, manipulate you into coming to what? Coming to the cross. Come on in. When you get to the cross, what you see? In the spirit of your mind, in the spirit of mine, in the spirit of my mind. I see Jesus hanging. I see him hanging. I see him hanging high. I see him stretched wide. I see him lifted above the earth. I see him crying out, my God, my God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I see him, and from this day you shall be with me in paradise. I see him saying uh, to, to, to the poor man, to the man that was hanging on the right. He said, from this day, you shall be with me in paradise. I see him saying, son, behold thy mother, mother, behold thy son. I can see him saying, I thirst. Instead of giving him water, they gave him vinegar and wine. Yeah. And I see him saying, why are you calling on Elijah? Why don't you call on your God? and tell him to take you off the cross. No, uh, if I wanted to be taken off the cross, I never would have came up here. But when he came, it wasn't, it wasn't the nails that hung him up there. It was the nails that, hang, that held him there. It was nothing but the love of God. Because John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It was love that they took him down off the cross and laid him in the grave. Yeah, it was love that he stayed in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. It was love, good God Almighty, on the third day morning. It was love that got him up. Out the, out, out the grave and tell the world, I got all power in heaven and in earth in my hand. I got it now. I got it. And I'm going back to heaven mm-hmm. with a shout. I'm going back to heaven with victory. I'm going back to heaven with all power in heaven and earth in my hand. And he said, now, when I get up into heaven, I'm going to wait 10 days. I'm going to wait 10 days, and then I'm going to send the church. Mighty, mighty, mighty God. What a mighty God, sir. I'm going to send you some power, a Holy Ghost power, powerful than a locomotive, more faster than a speeding bullet, able to leap bounds and troubles and situations, able to save you from the lowest of the lowest, able to make you a child of God that you can confess to the world that he is born again, that you can confess to your mama, to your daddy, to your friends and those out on the street, I've been born, I've been born again. I'm walking this narrow way. Yeah, we need that kind of person to have 
a divine relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, this is called the rejection church, the church that rejects the plan of salvation. This church has a pride in it. In the 17th verse, it says, because you say, because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Now, this is the apostate church. This is the church that will go in to the seven-year tribulation. This church belongs to Satan. This church has Satan influentiality in it. And this church is seen in the 17th chapter of Revelation where the great whore sets up on a scarlet beast with a golden cup in her hand. This church will go into the tribulation, and this church will be composed of every denomination, every occult, every low-down, dirty, rotten doctors that they will bring up, they will go into the tribulation period, and when they get into the tribulation period, they tell me this church will look gorgeous on the outside. Uh-oh. This church will look good out on the outside because they say in the 17th verse, he said, uh, I'm going to increase with goods and have need of nothing. They equalate the increase in materialistic goods. This church loves materialistic goods with spiritual blessings which they were not. They say, well, because I got a whole lot of riches that I'm spiritual. But let me tell you, prosperity will make you rotten. A whole lot of money, a whole lot of houses and cars and clothes will spoil you. You will have what? You will have the world at your fingertip, but Jesus Christ is not even in your conscience. Jesus Christ is not near. You may say it. You may sing in the choir. You may do certain things in the church, but your mind is on materialistic things. Your mind is on prestige. Your mind is on exaltation. Your mind is on looking good. Your mind is on spending money. Your mind is saying in the choir, show outs, show outs in the house of God. God don't like no show outs. You're showing out. You're showing out because if you show out, God won't show up because he's not in no show up thing. He's for real. He's mainly thing Christ wants. He wants your soul. Listen to what it says. And know it not that thou, that thou, that you are wretched. Don't you know that you are miserable? Don't you know that you're poor? Don't you know that you're blind and naked? You know what's a, you know what's miserable? I'm gonna tell you what's miserable. Miserable is a person that don't know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Miserable is when you don't have no hope. Miserable is when you got worldly things on your mind and worldly goods on your mind with no hope. Miserable is when you try to exercise your salvation through drinking and lying and cheating and backbiting and, and doing all kinds of horrid things. You are miserable. 
You are miserable when you can't sleep at night. You are miserable when you can't find nothing to satisfy your soul. You are miserable when you are, have a tendency to try to rule other people's lives. You are miserable. You don't have nothing to sustain you when tragedy come up in your life. You're miserable. You're miserable when you love money. You're miserable when you're hooked up with sex and all kinds of sex orgies and all kinds of pornos and all kinds of lesbianism and all kinds of homosexuals and all kinds of incest. You're miserable. And we got people in this false church that's doing every low-down, rotten sin you can do, and they're miserable. They're miserable. When you go through a divorce and you trying to find somebody uh, to be with and, and be married to, for it's miserable when you try to do things without God in your life. If you got God in your life, He can give you joy. He can give you peace. He can give you hope. He can give you everything that's needed for you to have a joyful and a wonderful life living for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right, we got miserable out the way, and now you're poor. The Bible says you're poor. You ain't got nothing. You're poor in what? Poor in spirit. If you ain't saved, you're poor. If you ain't sanctified, you're poor. If you don't have the love of God in your heart, you're poor. If you don't have joy, you're poor. If you don't have peace of mind, you're poor. If you don't have sanctification, you're poor. Only God can make you rich. Only God can make you rich. Only God can give you a hope. Only God loves you. And he gave you that hope in the cross. He died that you could have a rich, spirit-filled life, spirit-filled life, that when trouble comes and adversity comes and storm wind comes and lightning comes and thundering comes, you can hey, be at peace. Woo! You can be at peace when you hear all the catastrophes that's going on in the world. You can say, thank you, Jesus. You have delivered me from the world. You have delivered me from sin. You have delivered me from degradation. You have delivered me from hell. And I'll say again, and I'll say again, wherever you go, when you die, don't go to hell. Don't go to hell, please. I can say, hell no. Don't go to hell. Don't go and try to pay for your own sins. Because you'll never pay them. You never. The, 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 the wages of sin is what? Death. Separated from God forever. If you go to hell, you can't get out. If you go to hell, you ain't going to be jumping and shouting. If you go to hell, you ain't going to be able to cry. If you go to hell, you're going to be punished forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And nobody will be able to comfort you. Nobody will be able to tell you how to get out. Nobody will be shouting in hell. Nobody will be spending money in hell. Nobody will be in We'll be able to go anywhere in hell because the Bible said it's wailing and wailing and wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
Yeah, you don't have to go if you don't want to go. Jesus Christ spoke more about hell than he did heaven. Jesus Christ warned the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes that you don't want to go to hell because uh, what would you profit if you gain the world and and lose your soul? If you lose your soul, your soul will be lost forever. If you lose your soul, you won't have no more peace in eternity. If you lose your soul, you won't be able to blame nobody but yourself. If you lose your soul, good God Almighty, you don't want to lose it. Yeah, and the only way that you can stop from your soul, soul be lost, you got to come on down at the foot of the cross. Yeah, you can't go to your friends because they are depending on um, the same man that you're depending on, Jesus Christ. If you depend on Christ, I guarantee you mm, the Lord will do something for you. Yes, he will. If you repent of your sin and humble yourself, if you come on down to zero factor and humble yourself, your soul can be saved because your soul is eternity. Mm, you can't get rid of your soul. It will live after death. Yes, it will. And if you go to hell, you won't be able to take five things with you. Yeah, you won't be able to take your car or your house. You won't be able to take your friends. You won't be able to take nothing. But there's five things you can take to hell with you. Yes, you will. And one of them is you can take your eyesight. Mm. You ain't going to be blind in hell. No. Some people say you ain't going to be able to see in hell. Oh, yes, you will. You're going to have, you're going to see what sin produced. Sin produced death. And death is to be separated from God. And you're going to see in hell. Then you're going to hear in hell. You're going to take your hearing with you. You're going to hear the moaning. And the moan. I'm talking about going to hell now. I know it, it ain't a proper thing to talk about, but it's need to talk about. Because if you go, it won't be nobody's fault but yours. Yes, you will. You can't blame me. You can't blame your mama, your daddy. You can't blame God for sure. Yeah, because Jesus said, I'm warning you. I'm warning you. Don't go. Don't go to hell. And then you're going to be able to hear in hell. Yes, you will. You will hear the groaning and the moaning. You will hear the groaning and the moaning. You will hear the gnashing of the teeth. And then you're going to be able to taste in hell. You're going to taste what sin is like. Mm, sin is bitter. Sin is rotten. Sin has a bad taste to it. Sin is rotten low down, and you're going to taste uh, in hell the sins that you have committed, and then you will be able uh, to be feeling in hell. You have your memory in hell. There's five things you can pack up, and you can put, tell me you can pack up your stuff because that's the only thing you're going to be able to take to hell with you. Then the Bible says blind. You're blind. Blind what? Blind to the gospel. You stayed in your blindness. You never did have your spiritual eyes open to recognize the resurrection. You never saw the blood of Jesus Christ. You never saw him hang only in your spiritual mind. You never seen him drop his head between the locks of his shoulders and gave up the ghost. You never seen him taken down from the cross. You didn't want to see it. You didn't want to see him go down in the grave and come up on the third. You never saw it. You rejected it. You didn't see it. What value 
Eternal value is in Christ. Eternal life is in Christ. Eternal joy is in Christ. Eternal love is in Christ. You were blind to it. You didn't want it. You have, you think going to heaven is going to be separated. You're going to have your little place and somebody have their little place. And some people are going to say they don't want to go to heaven. They think you're going to be able to talk about people in 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 um, in heaven. You ain't going to be able to talk about nobody. If you go to hell, you will be able to talk about everybody. But if you go to heaven, ain't no racial prejudice, ain't no lying, ain't no cheating, ain't no drug taking, ain't no homosexuals, ain't no adulterers and adulterers, ain't no nothing but joy, peace, in a sinless state. Sinless state. You'll be in a sinless state forever. Forever. Nothing unclean will cross over. Nothing defiled will be said. But in hell, you'll lift up your eyes. You'll lift up your eyes. And you will be able to talk to somebody. You may ask them, why are you in hell? Why am I here? Why am I being tortured like this? Why am I in pain and agony? And Why can't I cry? Why can't I rejoice? Why? Why are you in hell? You ain't in hell because you drink. You ain't in hell because you lie. You ain't in hell because you are a, a, a prostitute. You, 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 you ain't there for that. You know what you're in hell for? I'm going to tell you, according to the Bible, if you go to hell and be lost forever, the main reason that you are in hell is because you rejected the plan of salvation by rejecting the cross of Christ and rejecting his death and rejecting his suffering and rejecting his ridicule, rejecting his burial, rejecting his resurrection, Rejecting his atonement that he made for your sin, and you rejected it. You said, I don't need that stuff. I don't want that stuff. You telling folks, I've been born again. I, I joined the church. I've been going to church for I don't know how long. I, 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 I made testimonies. Uh, I, but that won't get you out. You in hell because you didn't repent. You didn't turn from your sins. You didn't turn from your unbelief. You didn't turn from your secret sins and your deliberate sins and your sins of omission and your sins of commission. You didn't accept Jesus Christ. That's the reason you're going to hell. You didn't get your sins forgiven. You didn't get your sins washed away. You told the Lord, I believe I'm all right. I believe I'm all right. I think I can make it. But you better quit thinking. You better quit thinking because if you're thinking like that, I guarantee you, you're going to miss heaven. And heaven was prepared for a prepared people, a prepared people. And if you ain't say you ain't prepared, that means you can't come in because nothing defiled, nothing defiled. 
Nothing rotten, nothing stinking, nothing that's abomination towards God will ever, ever, ever enter in, as some people call it, the pearly gates. You're blind. The world is blind. Why? Satan is blind. Millions of people. The blind rich people, poor people, ugly people, white people, black people, Jews, he has blinded men and women and boys and girls from the truth because he knows that the truth will set you free. And Jesus Christ said, I am the truth, the light. And if you follow me, you will inherit eternal life through your salvation. The devil want to keep you away from the cross. He want to keep you away from the blood. He want to keep you away from the suffering. But what Christ done, he done it once and for all. Jesus Christ is not coming down here another time to die on Calvary. That's over. That's over. And if Christ, if you think Christ can die again for you, he cannot die again. He cannot come down here as a baby in a manger wrapped in his swaddling clothes. He can't do it. It's impossible. He died once and for all because this is life. It's a one-way trip, one way, and that way is Jesus' way. If you don't take the way that Christ laid it down for you and put everything Woo! and nailed it to the cross, and you don't come up and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I can see my sins on your body, that you died for me, and now I'm going to believe that you died for me, and I'm going to confess with my mouth. I'm going to believe with my heart that you died for me. You rose for me. You went back to heaven for me, and you're coming back after me. Woo! Good God Almighty. He's coming back after the church, y'all. Yeah. So you got miserable, you got wretched, you got miserable, you got poor, you got blind, and you got naked. Man, physical nakedness is embarrassing. This year church is naked. Spiritual nakedness. What is spiritual nakedness? Spiritual nakedness is when a person is living in sin and has never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's unclothed spiritually. He has nothing to put on to cover his sins and take away his sins. He is naked in God's presence. In God's presence, the whole majority of the whole human race is naked. We got people walking down the street naked. We got people in the church naked. We got people in government naked. Naked what? They're naked spiritually. They don't have no covering. They don't have no redemptive plan. They don't have no reconciliation. They don't have naked. They're naked. They And when God looks at your soul, he sees nakedness. He sees the sin that's in your soul. He sees the sin that's in your flesh. He sees the sin, and when he looks at you, you're naked because you have rejected to be clothed with the Spirit of God and to be clothed with the blood of Jesus Christ and to be clothed with sanctification, to be clothed with justification. You are naked. You're singing in the choir, but you're still naked. You're preaching behind the pulpit, but you're still naked. You're naked because you haven't 
a hypocritical attitude. You're trying to serve God and man. The Bible says, what profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You cannot serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you love one and hate the other. You cannot be ho-hopping. You cannot be switching off and on because when Christ saves you, he justifies you forever. He sanctifies you forever. You're sanctified. Your soul, your spirit is sanctified. But the old carnality is still there. And that's where you got to grow out of it. You got to lay aside every weight and every sin that's so easy to be set up, looking into Jesus, who's the author and finish of our faith. You got to let that stuff go. You got to let that adultery go. You got to let that lie go. You got to let that partying go. Woo! And let me tell you something. When you get saved, I'm going to tell you something. When you get saved, I'm talking about genuine saved. God said, I want to use you. I want to use you for my glory. I want to use you. I want you to go tell somebody else about this wonderful salvation, about how much I love you, how much he loved you. Tell the folks how and what I've done on Calvary's cross. The agony. And the cruel way they treated my Lord and my Savior on Calvary. Tell them. Tell them your sins, your lying, your backbiting hung me up there. A lot of people said it was the Jews. No, it was the whole world. But the Jews was the one that said, I'm going to let the Gentiles crucify him. We don't want him. We don't want him. He's not our Messiah. He's not our side because he tried to change all this Judaism into Christianity. We don't want it because he eliminating all the sacrificial animals. and We can't sacrifice no blood no more. We got to come to him, Jesus Christ. We can't accept him because Jesus was saying that he was God. We can't accept that because the only God we know is the one in the Old Testament. But the one in the Old Testament is the one in the New Testament. The only thing that he, only thing that happened is he changed, he changed, he changed from fire to the human being. He changed from, woo, he changed, and now he's not walking around in a pillar of fire. He's walking around in a body. He's walking around with hands and feet. He's walking around healing and healing and raising the dead and casting out devils. We can't we can't understand that. How could God Almighty become a human being? But God Almighty had to become a human being in order to who, who do what? Save you. Save you. Somebody had to pay the price for sin. Somebody had to pay it. Seraphims couldn't do it. Seraphims couldn't do it. Angels couldn't do it. No human being could do it. No patriotic couldn't do it. Job couldn't do it. Jeremiah couldn't do it. Isaiah couldn't do it. Malachi couldn't do it. Nobody! Until in the book of Revelation, they couldn't find nobody. They couldn't they couldn't uh, bring up nobody uh, uh, to do what huh, Jesus done. They couldn't, and, and, and some of the elders began to weep and cry. 
He said, what you crying for, man? He said, look, we can't find nobody to open the book. Nobody. We can't find no man. Did you hear what I said? No man. No man in the Bible could open the book. No man in the Bible could look up on the book. No man could even get near the book. There was nobody. And did you try to bring somebody out of eternity? Nobody. Nothing. Eternity was already here. And the eternal one became flesh, the God of gods and the Lord of lords. And he slept. He got tired. He cried. He had all the attributes of a human being because he was human. He was God human. And by him being God human, he was able to suffer for the sins of man, of of a human being. And he did suffer. And here you come talking about I got another way to go to heaven. You ain't got no other way. There is no other way. Nobody can dream up another way. Even God himself can't find no other way but through his son that God himself could live in you through his son, that God himself could be what? Everything you want him to be. And that last one, naked. A lot of church folks is naked. A lot of church folks say they know Jesus Christ, but they're naked. They're naked, why? Because they haven't repented and because they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They do a whole lot of lip service, but they haven't been changed. They go through the motions as, as the Christian duties, but they haven't been saved. You cannot serve two masters. He said the tragedy lays in the fact that while this church gloated over materialistic wealth, she was unconscious of her spiritual poverty. Again, indicative of the modern church. That's where the modern church, the mega churches, the big mega preachers, they're throwing money all over the altar and running up and down and flanging coats and knocking people out and teaching the word of God but not coming from the word of God, trying to teach the word of God, taking the scriptures and twisting them and making it look like it's true. But the Bible says, if you take one word out of this book, I will take you out of the book of life. If you add anything to this Bible, if you add anything, if you add a dot, a question mark, if you add anything that's not in this Bible, I will bring the plagues up on you that's in this Bible. And the world today got all kinds of translations, and they're sneaky about it. They're taking words out. That's not in the original King James Version. Some. I'm not against all in interpretation, but you got to watch out. Because the Jehovah Witness got a Bible. And one of the highest doctors 
one of the highest doctrines in the Bible is what? That Jesus Christ is God Almighty in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, the same as it was in the beginning. And then it says down in John 1, 14, and the Word, and what is the Word? The Word is God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten Son, which is in what? The bosom of the Father is in the midst of God. God himself is in the midst of himself. Self-existent one. There's no other God beside him. But the Jehovah Witness book says this. In the, begun, in the beginning was the word, and the word was a God. No. Jesus Christ was not a God. He is God. Oh, by himself. Everything was made by him, and without him, nothing is made that is made. And there was a man that came from God, and his name was John. And John said, I'm not that light. I'm not the light. But there's one that comes after me that's preferred before me. I baptize with the water into repentance. But he... The he's of the he's, and the hymns of the hymns shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, a consuming fire, a fire that will set your soul on fire, a fire that will burn all that sin and dross and all that old malice and all that old hatred and all that old self-righteousness. It will burn it to oblivion. And I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know, but I used to hear them folks say, I looked at my hand, and my hand looked new. Looked at my feet, and my feet did too. Ever since that wonderful day, my soul, my soul has been satisfied. The church age is almost over, my friends. And that Laodicea church is getting ready to come. Shut down and go into what? Go into the great tribulation. Go into the tribulation. And the tribulation cannot start until the removal of the body of Christ. And so where we at? We're in the last days. We're in the last apostate church. The church that's filled with all kinds of gross sins. And nobody's repenting. He said, I counsel you to buy gold of me. Tried in the fire that you may be rich. What they need is to buy could not be purchased with money, but only with the precious precious blood of Christ, which price has already been paid. But the modern church is not interested. The modern church, the the, the church of zip-zap, the church of new theology, the church that's trying to change the word of God, the church that believe in a whole lot of motions and a whole lot of jumping and shouting and a whole lot of tongue talking and a whole lot of dressing this way and dressing whole, but they're not concerned about their soul and they don't realize that their sin has already been paid for and now it's time for you to come to Christ. Repent. 
That goes from the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, the Catholic church, the church of churches, churches, independent churches, churches that say, well, we got a new way to live, and there's no new way to live, no newer than what Jesus already had laid down the foundation. And so what we got? We got an ex- exclusive of Christ and his gang only by faith in Christ and the cross. This tells us that the Laodicean church is extremely self-righteous, self-righteous, not having the righteousness of Christ. They are naked to judgment of God. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. They are naked. Wow, have you ever seen anybody naked running down the road? It's embarrassing. And the first thing that the people think of, somebody need to cover him. Somebody need to cover her. We we we, we can't be looking up on that. That that's that's indecent. Well, how many of you think people are walking on the planet earth today that's naked spiritually? It's embarrassing. And the only time it's going to be really embarrassing is when they stand before the great white throne. What is the great white throne? The great white throne is the final judgment at the end of the 1,000-year reign of Christ on this earth. It's called the great white throne. The great white throne is for all the wicked, every wicked person that died from the time of Adam all the way over to the end of the millennium reign. Wicked people. There won't be no righteous person at the great white throne. There won't be nobody righteous. It'll be all sinners. What is a sinner? A sinner is a person that has never repented of their sins and have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and have never been washed in the blood of the Lamb, have never confessed their sins to God through Jesus Christ and admit that they're a sinner and accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You're naked if you don't have that. You're naked if you have never made a commitment. I mean a real, a real commitment to Jesus Christ, they will be at the great white throne at the final judgment of the world. The end of the world will come at the end of the millennium. In other words, the end of time will come at the end of the millennium reign. The end of the church age will close, huh, the end of the church age will close at the rapture. The rapture will be in a moment of a twinkling of an eye. The day that Christ shall rise, we that remain alive shall be called to meet the Lord in the air. That's the end of the church age on earth. But the church is headed towards heaven, towards the judgment seat of Christ. When I leave this planet, when I leave this planet, and I'm not ashamed to say I'm going to leave. I'm headed for the judgment seat of Christ. That's all born-again believers. 
And you ain't going to be half saved. You ain't going to be 99.99 saved. You got to be saved. If you ain't saved, if you haven't been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you're not going to be there. The judgment of Jesus Christ is for the church. We will go before the Lord Jesus Christ and be judged, not for our salvation, but we're going to be judged for our works that we have done accompanied with our salvation. Because you cannot be a child of God until you receive salvation. Now you can work for the Lord. Why? Because Christ will be working through you. And sometimes people do stuff, Christians do stuff, is not of Christ. Well, when you get before the judgment seat of Christ, your works will be judged, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Bad works represent wood, hay, and stubble. That's works of the flesh. That's what you've done in the flesh. That's what you said in the flesh. That's what you thought in the flesh. Wood, hay, and stubble is going to be tried by the fire. And when it's tried by the fire, most likely it's going to be consumed. Your works didn't mean nothing because you did it through yourself. You did it through Lucifer. You did it through the world. You did it through the flesh. You will suffer loss. Your rewards will be few. Because the flesh cannot please God. Only the spirit can please God. And what you've done in the spirit will be represented by gold, silver, and brass. Gold, silver, and brass will be represented by Christ. But what what you do for Christ is the only thing on the stand. If it's not done for Christ, then you're going to suffer loss. Gold, silver, and brass going to be tried by the fire. They're going to cast your works, which you did for Christ, into the fire. And when it comes out, it's going to be purified by the fire. It won't be destroyed. There's an old song, only, 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 only what you do for Christ will stand, and you can't have anything done for Christ except the Holy Ghost will be your teacher, will be your comforter, will be your redeemer, will be everything that Christ paid for on the cross through his blood will stand and what? It will suffer the fire. The fire won't be able to damage it. That's the judgment seat of the saints of God. That's the judgment seat of the church. And when the church is going to be excommunicated, then the tribulation will start. And when the tribulation starts, the church will not be here. When Christ raptured the church, there won't be one saved person on this earth. There won't be one saved person. Not one. They all will be in sin. So what God is going to do? What is he going to do? How is he going to do this? Well, if the church is not here, it's gone. There ain't going to be no witnesses. There ain't going to be no prayer meeting. There ain't going to be no Bible study. Why? We're in heaven. So somebody got to come along. Somebody got to come along 
and preach the gospel. Somebody got to come. God has already got it planned out. Listen to what Revelation 7 says. Revelation says, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth with judgment in their hand. And one of the angels said, don't do nothing yet. Don't bring judgment yet until I seal. I'm going to seal 144,000 evangelists, Jews, Jews, Jews. Jews are going to be the ministry evangelist preachers that's going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Why? Because the church is not here. And since the church is not here, God is going to bring 144,000 witnesses, not Jehovah Witness, not from the Baptist, not from the Presbyterian, not from no occult system, nothing. It's going to be God's chosen, and they are going to preach the gospel of the kingdom, and guess what's going to happen? There's going to be a worldwide, you hear what I said? Worldwide revival from the four corners of the earth. These 144,000 Jews are going to initiate the gospel of the kingdom. God is going to fill them and seal them with the Holy Ghost, and they are going to be preaching. You talking about preaching. You talking about woe. You talking about Jesus. The Jewish nation are going to tell the world, the Gentile world, that Jesus Christ is their Messiah and that he's coming back to set up a millennial kingdom. And somebody said, how many are there going to be? Well, if you read your Bible, it talks about 12,000. 12,000 for what? From 12 tribes. The 12 tribes will be named in Revelation. 12 tribes of Judah, 12,000. 12,000 Reuben, 12,000 of Gad, 12,000 of Asher, 12,000 from Nephilim, 12,000 of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph. 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin, and 12 times 12 equals 144,000 evangelists, and they are going to start in Jerusalem. And the reason they're starting in Jerusalem is because that's where the day of Pentecost occurred. Oh, good God Almighty. The day of Pentecost, they tell me, they all was filled with the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost got a hold of them, they took them outside. When they took him outside, they would begin to preach, say Jesus and him crucified, died, and shed his blood on Calvary cross, repent, and turn from your wickedness. And they tell me that day, 3,000 souls received Jesus Christ. That was the first revival in Jerusalem for a long time. 
Yeah, it's been a long time since the world has had a world revival. It's been a long time when the whole world would hear the gospel. And God said, I'm going to send 144,000, and they're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus Christ is coming back to set up the millennial kingdom, and to tell me the world is going to say, yes, yes, I know he's coming now. I know he's coming because the Bible said that Jesus said, before I come back, I'm going to gather Israel back into the land. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And when I, woo, hallelujah, praise our God. And when he come back, he's coming back in power and great glory. He's coming back, and before he come back, he's going to give the world an opportunity to hear the Jewish nation preach the gospel. For how long? For how long? For three and one-half years, every day, every day, every month, every hour, three and one-half years of the gospel of the kingdom will be preached. It's going to be preached in the morning and noonday. It's going to be preached at night. It's going to be preached around the world. Yeah. It's going to be preached in the daytime, in the evening time, in nighttime. People are going to, the 144,000 going to have shifts. Amen. I don't know if they're going to get tired. I don't know if they're going to get sleepy. I don't know where they're going to live, but they tell me they're going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and he's coming back to set up the millennial kingdom. What happens after the preaching of the three and one half years? What effect will it have on the population of the earth? What the people going to do when they hear this? The Bible tells me that after the first part of the tribulation and first part of the evangelistic Jews preached the gospel, after three and one and a half years, they said this. After they got through preaching, the ninth verse in the book of Revelation 7 and 9 said, and after this, beheld, lo, a great multitude, a great multitude, which no man can number. This pertains to the mortals who have their lives, who gave their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ in the great tribulation. Represent the many possible millions who will be saved in the great tribulation. The first part of the tribulation will be the preaching. And they get saved. When they get saved in the next part of the tribulation, they will lose their lives because of the redemptive plan of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ saves these people, those that hear the gospel of what? Of the Jewish nation. There won't be no mega churches. There won't be no preaching uh, about money, there won't be, woo, people will have money, and some people won't pay attention, but there won't be no time where preachers can get up in and give you some kind of jack leg, huh, jack leg gospel. The Jews are going to straighten it out, and they're going to straighten it out because they're going to defend their Messiah. They finally got their eyes open, and now they're going to preach, and the preaching will affect every Gentile nation on the planet and the Jewish nation. And he said, now, how many is there? He said, a number 
that no man can number, of all nations and tenders and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb. What? With robes, clothed in white robes, and palms in their hands, and cried, they cried now, with a loud voice, good God Almighty, saying salvation. Uh-oh. It didn't say Baptist. It didn't say Presbyterian. It didn't say Catholic. It didn't say Seventh-day Adventist. It said salvation. Oh, yes. To our God, which sitteth upon the throne and into the Lamb, and all the angels stood around and about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne and on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Ooh, amen. Amen. The proclamation that God has provided salvation to humanity through the work of the Lamb. Yeah. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might to be to our God forever and ever. Yeah. And one of the elders, one of the elders answers saying, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence did they come? And I, and I said unto him, sir, you know, Good God Almighty, you know who it is. And he said unto me, These are they that came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white. Uh-oh, white in the blood of the Lamb. These are they, these are they that have washed their robes. And I'm not talking about little robes. I'm talking about the robe of your soul. Your soul is a robe, and your soul is going to be clothed in a robe by the blood of Jesus. Nothing can go on Almighty. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can cleanse your soul. Nothing can redeem your soul. Nothing can sanctify your soul. Nothing can justify your soul. Nothing. Hey, Lord, have mercy. But the blood of Jesus, good God Almighty. You see what I'm saying? So what happens? The church is in heaven at this time. The church is around God's throne. The church is looking down on the events that's going on on the earth. The church is saying, now, the way I live, the way I preach, the way I ministry is being manifested now. All that I did for Christ will stand during the tribulation period. All that I sung, all that I prayed, all that I uh, witnessed to will stand. And the church will be in heaven for seven years. And the first three and one and a half years, the Jews will take over and finish the gospel the last seven years. At the end of the first three and one half years, 
the events start changing. But at the same time, God is going to bring judgment upon the earth during the whole tribulation. But in the middle of the tribulation, a dynamic event is going to happen. A dynamic event is going to happen. The Antichrist will be in power for seven years, first three and one and a half years. He will give the world a false peace. He will promise the Jews that he will take care of them for seven years. He will promise the Jews to sign a covenant with them to promise them that he will be their security for seven years. The Jews will accept the covenant, which will be able to convince the Jews that this is the real Christ, but it won't be the real Christ. He's coming in through deception, and he will tell them, I will protect you for seven years. I will permit you to rebuild the temple. I will give you information. I will sign a covenant with you to rebuild the temple so that you can go back to your own sacrificial offerings. And the world is going to see this, and they're going to say, yes, this is one of the signs, greatest signs that we will ever see when they sign that peace treaty and when the Jews start building the temple and when they get the Ark of the Covenant and when they get the the red heifers, and bring them into the sanctuary and offer them for sacrifice for the purification of the peoples and their sin. He said, yes, and you are able to do this. But as he signed this peace treaty in the beginning, in the middle, in the middle of the tribulation period, there's going to be a heavenly event that happens that the world will witness for the first time, the world will witness a war that will occur in the heavenlies where Lucifer, Lucifer and his angels, all his angels will be cast out of heaven and come to earth. When they come to earth, the Antichrist will break the treaty in the middle of the tribulation, and when he breaks that treaty in the middle of a revelation, he's going to break it through the event that's going to happen. In the 12th chapter of Revelation, going into the second part of the tribulation period, another three and one half years, another three and one half years, Another three and one half years, in the middle of that three and one half years, Lucifer, that son of the dawn, will be cast out of heaven. Woo! He don't want to be removed from heaven because he's been up there for the last 6,000 years. He was cast out of heaven. But he's in first and second heaven now. And he's been up there for 6,000 years. Now, in the middle of the tribulation period, Michael comes and says, it's time for you to go. You've got to go down to the earth. You've got to be cast out of heaven and all your hell angels. 
got to come out. Michael and his angels will fight against the dragon and his angels, Satan. And Michael will be victorious and the devil will be cast out of heaven literally. He got to come through the portal. When he comes to the portal, he's headed for earth. When he's headed for earth, he said, now is my time. My time has come. The Antichrist is here. The Antichrist broke, broke ties with Israel. And by him breaking ties with Israel, he gets assassinated. He gets assassinated, and when he gets assassinated, the Bible says, and the deadly wounds heal. He will get a, he will get a, a, he'll be assassinated by a bullet through the head. He will lay in the morgue for three days and three nights. He's doing a duplicate. This is what's happening. He's going to, he's doing a duplicate of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's going to try to prove to the world that he is God, that he is the Messiah. He's going to try to prove to the Jews, especially, and Prove to the Gentiles that he is God. After he's been dead for three days, dead, three days, dead, he is going to be resurrected, not by God, not by no angel. He's going to be resurrected from the dead by Lucifer. Lucifer will incarnate himself in the body of the Antichrist, and he will raise him from the dead. When he raises him from the dead, the Antichrist will be revived. And when he gets comes from the dead, he will say that he is God Almighty. He will do this miracles, and he will do miracles on top of miracles. And the world will be deceived because they won't believe the truth. So God will give them over to believe a lie because they will receive the love of truth. And he will what? He will desecrate the abomination desolation in the temple. He will, look, he will eliminate the Ark of the Covenant. He will mess with the Ark and remove it out of the holies of holies. And he will set up his own throne in the holies of holies and call himself God Almighty, he will set up a statue, an image of the beast in Jerusalem. And the world will be worldwide through ABC. They will see it through Fox. They will see it through ABC. They will see it through CBS. They will see it through NBC. They will see it through Facebook. They will see it through YouTube, Twitter. They will see it through TikTok. And see it through PBS. It will be a worldwide television on one subject. Jesus Christ is on the earth, and God Almighty is on the earth. And they will believe that this man is God Almighty, and he will cause both small and great, both rich and poor, to receive an identification mark, which is called in the Bible the mark of the beast. He becomes the beast in the middle of the tribulation period. He becomes tyrant. He becomes a barbarian. 
he becomes a wicked, wicked instrument, and Satan will show himself exactly who he is. And he will call all those that will fall down at the image of the beast to receive a mark on their forehead or on their right hand. And the tribulation saints, those that were saved during the tribulation period, will what? They will be executed because they will not turn from their testimony that Jesus Christ has saved them. And then after the Antichrist rise and become the beast, and 144,000 will be redeemed from the earth, God said, I'm not through yet. I've got two more witnesses. And after that, i got three angels. I'm going to let the two witnesses, witnesses for 1,260 days. They are going to preach three and one half years, the latter part. And I believe by the grace of God, some people are going to get saved through that preaching. And they tell me, who are these preachers? What do the scriptures say? They say, one man has power enough to turn water to blood. One man, only one man, and call plagues upon the earth as many as he called. And then another man will be able to call to the clouds and cause it not to rain for three and one-half years. Only two men in the Bible that had that kind of power, and that was Moses and Elijah. Elijah was known as a fire prophet. Moses was known as a plague prophet. And he brought plagues up on Egypt, ten of them. And he can repeat these same plagues during the last part of the seven-year tribulation. At the end of the seven-year tribulation, these men will preach day and night. They will stand in the midst of Jerusalem and preach it and preach it, and they won't get tired. They won't get hungry. They won't get senile. They will preach it until the whole world sees them. The whole world will witness to them. The whole world will get enough of witnessing for three and one half years, 1,260 days, 42 months. Ooh. That's a lot of preaching. There won't be no collection. There won't be no, there'll be altar call, but it'll be altar call personally. They will preach until God will permit them to be killed. They will lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three and one half days. And the Bible said, and the whole world saw it. How can you see all that in three and one half days? You can see it by CW. You can see it by Fox, ABC, CBS, NBC, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and PBS. The news media will be wide open. From New York City, clear across the United States, going over in the Pacific Ocean to China, all the way across China until you get to Russia. Russia, 
all the way to Russia, till you get to Eastern and Western Europe, all the way down from Western and Eastern Europe, till you get back to the United States. They are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and him coming back. And they are going to be killed. And they're going to lay in the streets for three and one half days. And after they have been dead for three and one half days, they're going to be resurrected and caught up and caught up into the air to go be with the Lord. And then they are going to stand back and watch the sun turn red. And the moon turned to blood. And the sky, the S-K-Y, will roll back like a scroll from the east to the west. And it will be pitch black until Christ opens up the sky and descends from heaven on a white horse with the saints of God behind him coming down, 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 and getting ready for the judgment of the nation. Get ready for the judgment of the nations, and they will judge the nations for 30 days will be judged in Jerusalem. And Christ will stand on the top of the Mount of Olives, and the valley is going to be changed, and the smooth places are going to be smoothing out, and the earthquake is going to quake. And Jesus Christ the son of the living God is going to land on Mount of Olives. When they land on the Mount of Olives, when they land on the Mount of Olives, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ our Lord, in the glorified body, will hold up his hands. And the Jewish nation, the remnant of the Jewish nation, will See the nail prints in his hand. They will see the nail prints in his feet. And they will ask their Messiah, where did you get your wound? And Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the Jewish nation, will hold up his hand. And he said, I got them from the household of my friends. And the Jewish eyes, the scale of blindness will drop from their eyes. And when the scale of blindness drops from their eyes, they're going to weep and they're going to moan. They're going to cry. They're going to get in sackcloths and ashes. They are going to moan for 30 days for they recognize who the true Messiah is. After they done rejected him, for over 2,000 years. They are going to see how wonderful and merciful and long-suffering, and they're going to weep, and the Gentiles are going to stand on the side and say, oh, my God, my God. I see how rich God's mercy is. And then after that, after the judgments of the nation, God is going to enter into the millennium reign. When he entered to the millennium reign, only those that are saved 
through the tribulation period would have permission to go into the millennium reign. Those that didn't get saved during the time of end of the tribulation period, they will be judged in the valley. And those that's on the right will enter in. Those that's on the left will be cast into the lake of fire that burns with brimstone. And God will cleanse the land of all sin. The only sin that God will deal with during the millennium reign is the sin of unbelief. Because everything else is going to be wiped out. The devil is going to be bound for what? A thousand years. In a thousand years, Satan will have no dealing with mankind. None whatsoever. He done. He done. Forever. And God is going to permit the earth to be repopulated one more time. And this one more time will close the end of the world. Before the new heaven and the new earth comes, God is going to take all the wicked and raise them from the dead. Whoever has to be raised from the dead, the wicked, the wicked, the wicked will stand before the great white throne and God will open the books and the books will open and when the books open, they tell me the things, your name is not written in the book of life, you will be cast into the lake of fire. And the Bible tells me exactly who is going to be cast into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire, when Christ comes back, this is how the world is going to react. The sixth chapter of Revelation says this. It says this. In the sixth chapter of the what? The sixth chapter reads this. And I beheld when he, Christ, had opened the sixth seal, lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely face when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heavens departed as a scroll that is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men, every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, hide us from him and the face of him 
who sits upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day, the great day of his wrath has come. Who shall be able to stand? Second coming of Jesus Christ tells us in the sixth chapter of who will be destroyed because of their sins. We go to Revelation again, and we read about the 21st chapter of Revelation. And the 21st chapter says, Listen to what it says. Here it is. It says this. The 21st chapter of the book of Revelation. It says, twenty first and 1, 21st and 5, it says, And he who sits upon the throne said, No, I'm sorry. I got to back up a little bit. Here we go. I'm sorry. You hold hold on to this. In the 20th chapter of Revelation, it says this. This is a great white throne. This is the final judgment. This happens after the millennium reign. It says, and I saw a great white throne and him who sits on it from whom the face of the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, spiritually dead, but yet alive. They're dead because they are sinners. They're dead from righteousness. They're dead because they have never been resurrected with the new life of being in Jesus Christ. So they actually rejected the whole plan of salvation. While they were on earth, they thought it was a joke. While they was on earth, they laughed at it. While they was on earth, they partied. They they did what they wanted to do. They cussed God. They, they, they denied him. They did every wicked thing. And now they're standing at the great white throne. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead.